You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. We, uh, in the living room, we've been walking through, we've been walking through Mark's gospel, and we haven't, you know, we haven't exactly been going word by word or line by line, but, but mostly we'll often do a chapter, a couple of chapters. So obviously this is, in many ways, um, we're, we're encountering it uh, and we're walking with Jesus along the way, but, but clearly um, it's, it's an encounter with a lot to be filled in uh, that we won't fill in, uh, that we won't fill in today. But touching, uh, we, well, again, we've been walking through Mark's gospel, touching on that and making our way with Jesus um, toward the cross and the resurrection. And so today we're going to be in Mark chapter 14. Mark, Mark 14 is where we are today. Let me, let me say a prayer and then we'll, uh, we'll begin. Heavenly Father, I do give you thanks and praise for this opportunity to gather. That um, instead of Exodus today, we're, we're studying Mark, but we will be hearing of how you provided the ultimate uh, and great Exodus for us through Jesus, your Son. The way that through... Um, your love and your grace, your mercy and your sacrifice, your faithfulness and your obedience, you make a way um, for your people to a new and risen life, to a security and salvation that cannot be snatched from us because you are a good shepherd. And as we're gathered this day, I ask ultimately that not my words, but that your living word would go forth. And this I ask and this I offer in the name of your son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, I think that's another recorder. Can y'all hear me fine? I don't have a... Oh, good. Okay. Gotcha. So I was going to say, unfortunately, if you can't, um, there's not a lot I can do except speak louder. But um, so here we are. Here we are in in Mark's gospel, chapter, chapter 14. And... Last week, for those that were in there and for those uh, who weren't, we encountered the curious 13th chapter of Mark's gospel, which is sometimes referred to as as the mini-apocalypse. And uh, in that, Jesus talks about, uh, among other things, the destruction, the destruction of the temple and the signs for the close of the age. And so that that he will indeed, uh, that he will come again. Uh, And though the temple be destroyed that he will be providing uh, a temple not made, uh, not made with human hands, uh, a temple and a security that cannot be taken away from us. One of the things we talked about is for the people of Israel, um, the temple was, uh, I mean, to, to say, well, it's just like our, our church is significant to us um, or the church that you grew up in is, is significant for any number of reasons. But for the people of Israel, the temple was symbolic of, of there being God's people. I mean, it was, it was, uh, ah, thank you. It was uh, integral to their identity. Uh, they understood themselves in relationship with God. They understood themselves as people loved by God, chosen by God, blessed by God. The temple was in many ways the symbol of there being God's people and God's dwelling place in the midst of them. So to talk about the destruction of the temple was more than just the loss of a church. 
It was, a, it was an assault um, upon their identity. Uh, and you think about that in your own lives. We all have it at different times. And sometimes it's not a person, it's life circumstances bringing along in our lives an assault on our identity. Um, the way that we understood ourselves and the way that we understood our lives is rattled, um, is, is shaken. Uh, and as I say, we all, uh, if, if you haven't, you will. We've all experienced that in our lives when the way that we identify ourselves is, is shaken or taken away from us. Uh, and it, it throws us into a crisis uh, of forming and fashioning a new identity. And so we see throughout Mark's gospel, uh, and it's not unique to Mark's gospel, uh, an encounter with Jesus provokes a crisis. Uh, an encounter with Jesus provokes a crisis because one has to, one has to decide, is, is, he, is he true or is he deranged? Uh, because one of the things that we'll see happening here is Jesus makes claims about himself uh, as God's son. Jesus makes claims about himself as the fulfillment of God's promises, uh, the fulfillment of the scriptures, the provision uh, of, of life and salvation, of, of being uh, that which will take the place of the temple. So Jesus uh, making these claims, again, provokes, provokes a crisis for people uh, and, and a call to decide one way um, or the other. There really isn't, um, maybe people would argue, uh, you're, you're welcome to argue that there's a middle ground, but I would say that there's not. Um, it's, it's uh, as uh, Lewis said succinctly, uh, you know, he's, he's either, it's either true or he's uh, along the lines of someone who refers to himself as a fried egg. Um, he's, this, is, this is right um, or it's not. He's the Messiah um, or he is not. And I won't read um, uh, every line per se, but let me just start with the first two here. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And so if you remember in Mark's gospel early on, uh, in, if some, from the very beginning, Jesus has uh, experienced um, opposition from those beginning just uh, people questioning in their hearts. And, and by the third chapter of Mark's gospel, they're already plotting how to destroy him. If you remember, the Pharisees and the Herodians, which wouldn't have been pals, um, got together to say, how can, we, how can we destroy him? And so he's, Jesus has experienced um, opposition throughout the entirety of his ministry. And oftentimes the opposition has come from the inside as well, from the unbelief of his closest followers and friends. Um, they're... they're, they're hardness of heart and their slowness to understand. Hopefully that's not something which is discouraging, but hopeful to you and to me to say, uh, if they were slow on the uptake with Jesus in their presence, um, if it takes you and me some time, give yourself a little grace. Um, I, would, I would consider that Jesus was a really good pastor. Um, I, I feel kind of comfortable saying that. He was probably a really good teacher um, as well. And so if, if they had some difficulty um, grasping, it's understandable that you and I might as well. So it's it's the time of the Passover, which obviously um, you've, you've been walking through Exodus. Uh, that was the moment um, for the people. It was it was the moment, the remembrance uh, of of the power of God, the love of God, the grace of God, a God who hears the cries of His people and delivers them uh, and leads them in um, to a land of promise. Uh, a God who, again, with with power and might and with mercy and with grace responds to the prayers of his people. Uh, and of course, um, the significance of the Passover lamb, uh, 
um, the blood of that lamb, uh, which is placed above um, the doors, and the judgment that would fall upon them passing over them, not because uh, of their merits, but because of the blood of the lamb. Um, and so it's, it's not insignificant that all of this uh, is taking place uh, and it's not insignificant to Jesus that all of this is taking place at the time of the Passover. And we hear that they want to arrest him by stealth and kill him because of fear uh, of an uproar from the people. I, so at that time, the, the Passover was required to be um, celebrated in Jerusalem. And so people would travel from all over the place. And Josephus sent around, uh, uh, is, was an ancient historian during that time. Uh, he wasn't ancient at that time, he was current. Um, uh, Josephus was a, was a historian at, at, at that time uh, and, and writing um, about the people coming in, in uh, 66, uh, he, he gave, uh, said, uh, 266,000 um, lambs were slaughtered at the time of the Passover. Kind of hard to wrap your mind around. 266,000 um, um, lambs were, were, and everybody kind of cringes, uh, understandably, uh, uh, at, <laughs> at that. And you think typically there are about, um, say, 10 people per, uh, 10 people per gathering. So that, yeah, that's, we're talking two and a half million, we're talking two and a half million people. Um, maybe that number is exaggerated, but you get the idea of, of the throng of people that would come and gather, um, in Jerusalem at the time of the Passover. And so, um, they, they want to take care of Jesus. They want to get Jesus out of the way. They want to kill him, um, but they want to do it by stealth because of his um, popularity, because of the realization, too, that the Romans would very definitely be watching uh, and would be ready to step in if, if anything was, was going on. Um, and so, again, we're going to walk through 14, but I want to throw out some thoughts for you, uh, some, some considerations. And again, you're welcome to... Um, to consider these uh, in relation with our lives and our relationship with God. Because in 14, we were going to hear about Jesus being anointed at Bethany uh, at the home of Simon the leper. Uh, we'll hear the story of the woman who in Mark's account is unnamed, who, who breaks um, the nard and, and anoints um, Jesus's body. And we see the reaction uh, of Jesus's followers. We'll hear about Judas uh, and his betrayal of Jesus, his selling Jesus to the authorities. Uh, we'll see Jesus celebrate the Passover with his disciples, the institution of the Lord's Supper. Take this is my body, which is given for you. This is my blood, um, which is shed for you. We'll hear of Peter's um, denial uh, of Jesus. Jesus in Gethsemane. We'll hear of Jesus's betrayal and arrest uh, and Jesus before the council. So that's all. Um, and Peter's denial, uh, Peter's denial of Jesus. Um, so as I say, we might leave some details out um, this morning, but as we, uh, as we interact, and as we go along and invite your questions, comments, and reflections on this as well, but a couple of thoughts to think about as we begin to um, go more specifically into the different sections. And the thoughts in regard to our lives are these. When it, when it seems everything is coming undone, God is still working. Uh, when it seems that everything is, is coming undone, um, that God is still working. And we'll, we'll see that for Jesus' followers. Um, everything is, is seemingly coming undone, but we see that it's not out of God's control. And if you go back to the book of Genesis, from the very beginning, um, God does his work in chaos. Uh, God bringing order 
um, out of chaos. And, and I would suggest that that has application in yours and my life as well. When things seem out of control, um, when, um, when chaos, it doesn't mean that God has ceased to work. And it's often in that place that God steps in um, to bring order out of the chaos, to bring deliverance, to bring salvation, to bring peace um, through that. The second thought is that we need uh, the saving work of the cross. Uh, and maybe that's not um, the first time that you've heard that, but it's important to remember again, we need the saving work of the cross. We need salvation and not minor repairs. Uh, and the reason I say that, one of the things that we'll see, of course, with Jesus's closest followers is that all drank the cup with him uh, and all pledged that they would die with him and yet all flee and all deny him. Uh, and again, that speaks to the necessity of the cross, uh, that, that we need um, the work of the cross. Jesus' closest followers all drank the cup with him, um, all said that they would uh, be with him, uh, even if it meant their very deaths, uh, and, and to a person, um, they all denied and they all fled um, Jesus. And, and actually, um, the way that it's uh, stated uh, in the text, uh, that all is actually placed at the end of the sentence, uh, and what that means is it's emphatic um, uh, that they all, um, they all would do it. Uh, this uh, realization may um, of the frailty of human nature uh, and our need for the cross. Um, there is um, the possibility that in yours and my relationships that it encourages us to have grace and patience with one another. Uh, if we are indeed sinners saved by grace. If all sin and fall short of the glory of God, as Paul will write to the Romans, um, we may need grace in our relationships with one another uh, and patience in our relationships with one another. It, it may help us to be mindful uh, of the grace and the patience with which God has treated us um, in Jesus uh, and consider the power that that might have in our lives and our relationships. We, we see um, that Jesus is the fulfillment. Uh, he is ultimately the Passover lamb who will take away once and for all the sins of the world. He is the suffering servant that's spoken of um, in Isaiah, the lamb who is mute before um, its shearers. Um, we see that Jesus is the fulfillment um, of um, these promises. Uh, do you all, maybe you do, I, um, perhaps you have certain sermons uh, or classes or, or conversations which you can remember in your mind um, years later, or maybe not even an entire conversation or class or sermon, but there's a particular statement which is made. Uh, and in relation to this one, there's a guy, um, Nelson Koscheski uh, uh, is his name. When I, when I came out of seminary, uh, Bishop Salmon placed me at the cathedral in Charleston, and I spent, um, the dean left two weeks after I arrived, um, and it had nothing to do with me. Um, so, but it was, uh, it was an interesting it was an interesting experience, you know, life, right? I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to have a mentor. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, two weeks later, best of luck, Craig. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll see you. But I can remember Nelson preaching a sermon. It was a combined service. Of, it was Epiphany Lessons and Carols at the cathedral with choirs from around the diocese. It was a beautiful. Uh, it, was, it was quite the service. And, and Nelson was preaching uh, on the text from Luke 4. Um, Jesus uh, saying, you know what, the, uh, uh, I am the fulfillment. Uh, 
know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach, you know, good news unto the poor, um, release um, for the captives and so forth. And he says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He says, basically, I am the fulfillment. And preaching on that text, the way that Nelson described it was this. He said, the people wanted Jesus to be a good Jewish boy. Um, but Jesus wasn't a good Jewish boy. Uh, he was offensive. He was the one that said, you know what? If, uh, I am the fulfillment. If you have a problem with that, you have a problem because I um, am um, the fulfillment. Uh, and as I continue um, to remember that, but we see that Jesus is the fulfillment, uh, that he replaces the temple. And this is important. Jesus replaces the temple as the place where God meets his people. Jesus replaces the temple as the place where God meets his people. God meets his people um, in Jesus. Uh, it is in the person of Jesus Christ um, that God meets um, you and me. Perseverance, um, to encourage perseverance for us. The, the grace and mercy for us um, comes uh, from God. We see that Jesus, in the midst of the realization of their betrayal and their denial, in the words of John's gospel, Jesus says, you know, having loved John 13, having loved his own while he was in the world, he loved them um, to the end, or uh, also translated, he loved them um, to the full. Um, we have the grace and the perseverance of God on our behalf um, that Jesus, in fact, loves us to the full. And then finally this, um, uh, some thoughts as we begin, that, that Jesus has the final word. Uh, and next week, um, for those in the, in the class on, on Mark's gospel, uh, we're going to be um, reflecting on the resurrection. And one of the things that we'll see wonderfully, thankfully, uh, is that Jesus has the final word. Uh, yours and my performance uh, is not the final word. Yours and my abilities um, are not the final word, but the final word is given to the crucified and risen Jesus. Uh, and what we'll see is that that final word given to Jesus, rather than a word of deserved rebuke, uh, it's a word, it's a gracious word, and it's a gathering word. Uh, which Jesus gives to his followers. Rather than a word of deserved rebuke, the word which Jesus gives to his followers will be a gracious word and a gathering word. Uh, their sins and their shortcomings and their failures are not the final word. The crucified and risen Jesus has um, the final word. Uh, so this is, uh, here we are. This is Mark's gospel is likely the, um, the oldest account of the passion. Uh, it's probably um, the earliest uh, of the essential event, events within the within the early church uh, and we begin and let me read now and uh, I'll read it uh, this is 14 3 through 9 and then I'll invite our reflection on it and, and your comments or questions as well and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper as he was reclining at table a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard very costly and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me, for you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, and you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And I have some comments on that, but any, uh, and again, if it's crickets, that fi that's fine. But any initial sort of 
comments, reflections, uh, questions about this as we begin to walk into it. You got it verified right here. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> there. It is. It's uh, ver yeah verified right there. Oh my gosh, yes. Absolutely. One of the things that, that I loved about it, uh, I mean, what a high compliment, what a beautiful thing. Uh, and that's exactly what Jesus says, what a, what a beautiful thing um, she has done for me. But um, one of the things that, that stood out to me was his saying, you know, she did, she did what she could. Uh, she did what she could. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm often slow to start something because I'm like, well, I, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I view all the things I can't do or all my, uh, or all my limitations or all the uncertainties, but we see her response of faith. Um, she did a beautiful thing. She did what she could do, uh, and it was recognized and it was honored by Jesus. Now, one of the things that, that stands out here is um, the extravagance uh, of this offering, uh, not just sort of emotionally, relationally. It's, I mean, talk about making oneself vulnerable. Um, it, it's certainly extravagant um, in her devotion and her offering. <laughs> it's not one of those things that people are going to miss. Um, you're, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be, you can't do this subtly. Um, you're, you're, you're going to be noticed. So she very definitely puts herself out there. But we're told um, that uh, Jesus's followers, uh, uh, the, the word for indignant means to flare one's nostrils. Um, I mean, that's, they were angry um, and they, they chastise her for what she's done. Uh, basically, the, when it says 300 denarii, what that means is, is a year's salary um, for a person. Uh, I mean, that's, so this is, I mean, this is dramatic, right? I mean, I, this, this nard which she pours out on Jesus would, you know, would have likely been a family heirloom. I mean, this would be something of value um, a, a year's salary for your for your average person, and the fact that she has poured it out um, on Jesus, and uh, you know their their response, you know you, this could have been uh, used um, for the poor, and we, and we see throughout the entirety of Jesus's ministry his particular concern for the least uh, and the last, and for the poor and for the outsider. So he was the the farthest thing from indifferent, but um, she. Uh, in this instance, she gets it. Uh, she gets it in a way um, that the others um, don't. And, it, and it's interesting because if you think about it, basically what they're saying is Jesus isn't worth it. Um, and, they also don't see that he's going to die. Yeah. They don't believe that. He's told them thrice, um, very clearly. And yeah, they, they still, and yeah, isn't that often the case in our lives? It's like it's right there before us and whether just denial or through will, we, we, we don't see um, absolutely. Yeah, they don't see that he's going to die. I mean, she is anointing him uh, in a way that he won't be able to be anointed for his burial. Um, and, and I would say that, you know, wonderfully, again, she clearly, I would, well, I say this, I would imagine she doesn't realize that she's anointing him for his burial, but she realizes who he is uh, and her response. Yes. was anointing him for burial, 
Yes. Yeah, and and that and that's you're right. That that costly and that's in that specific as well. This wasn't your Friday night nard. Um, this was yeah. I mean, this was uh, yeah. This was, I mean yeah. Genuinely, I mean, this is something of of incredible specificity and value. And once again, I mean, Jesus being the fulfillment of all these things. You know, here he is, the King of Kings, um, who was coming in uh, and is being anointed as kings would be anointed. And as well, um, you know, it's uh, she pours it on his you know head and you know that whole imagery you know, of it, of it, you know, flowing down upon his beard, this anointing. And again, this complete um, offering, uh, which she gives, uh, you know, some say, you know, likely that this was um, Mary Magdalene, um, because we see, you know, in other gospels, you know, this account and her being named Simon uh, the leper, and obviously he would be a former leper, um, and, and perhaps healed by Jesus. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and Bethany, you know, likely, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Um, but yeah, we see we see the dramatic nature of her offering, the specificity um, of of her offering. Uh, we we see as well um, the the reaction of those who basically say um, Jesus isn't worth it. And, and I would say we also see, and that listen, this one, this one, uh, this one condemns me as well. This one chased me as well. It we. We see, and isn't this true? A little religion's okay, um, but let's not get carried away. Um, and I would say that's a lot of the response too. Look, it's great to have devotion to Jesus, but don't get carried away with it. Um, let's let's not get reckless. Um, you know, we want our kids to love Jesus, but you know, we want them to get a good education as well. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, but there, there's there's the challenge. Like us, it's like I don't want to be seen as a freak. Um, but yeah, we see. She's not worried about that. She's, she gets it. Uh, she she gets it, and 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 Jesus uh, responds. Um, Jesus responds to her. My understanding, yeah. Well, let me just tell you. Don't bet the ranch on my answer to this one. Uh, I mean, as I uh, as I understand, I mean, it's it's. Uh, uh, I think it's more of. I mean, obviously, it would be uh, it would be liquid, but I think it's. You know, not oil in the way that, say, you know, olive oil, which would be used, uh, was an oil, but more of a perfume. Um, yeah, uh, I'm afraid the consistency of it, I'm not exactly um, sure about. Clark, do you do you remember? I, I don't know. I'm finding myself thinking of the 23rd Psalm. You know, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil. You're with me. You're on the staff. They come for me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, and I think um, this would have been more along the lines of, you know, for instance, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, uh, along the lines of those uh, which were brought and offered um, to Jesus. I mean, again, it wouldn't be a solid, and it wouldn't be, um, it would be a liquid, but it would be more along the lines of uh, of an ointment, if you will, a perfume, uh, than just uh, an oil in that in that particular sense. Um, and, and one thing I'll say about this as well is, um, you know, again, she wasn't worried about the reaction of the people around her if they thought she was getting carried away in her devotion uh, and, and in her worship and in her allegiance to God. And again, I think um, if not all of us, most of us can, can worry um, uh, about the way that we'll be perceived in, in our devotion. But what I'll also say, and again, I'm up here preaching to myself, um, she's not worried about the future. 
Uh, you know, clearly in, in pouring this out on Jesus, she's not worrying about the future. I mean, you could easily say, I'm going to give him a little bit of this, um, or I'm going to respond in another way. She's all in. Um, she's, she's not worried about the future. You know, Jesus would say, who of you by worrying about tomorrow can add a single hour to your life? Um, here she is. I mean, she is um, devoted um, completely. Yes. You know uh, that that you know it's 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 possible that that she was uh, you know a, a wealthy woman or at least you know it's interesting because one of the things that we do see in Jesus's ministry is is the mix of people that are connected with him. I mean, he really does sort of span the social spectrum from you know if if you will poor uh, to um, to wealthy, and you know, even one of the things that's uh, significant in Mark's gospel is um, the significant testament of of women and the number of women who are noted uh, among his circle and who are there uh, with him and who are there um, at the tomb and who are there uh, at the crucifixion. So, I mean, he, he clearly and will the fact that he's eating at the home of quote Simon the leper uh, and that he eats with tax collectors and sinners. I mean, so he definitely has a, a spectrum of people. Yeah, David. It's derived from Nanostarchus grandiflora, which comes only from the Himalayas. Really? That's what it calls Yeah. Nice. Uh, it was from the Himalayas. Uh, yeah. Uh, derived from honeysuckle, you said? It's like a plant-like honeysuckle, and you can still get it in oil. Awesome. Yeah, well. I'm sure it's not the same. Hey, listen. Don't listen to me. Go to Google. Uh, that's... that's <laughs> If you've learned anything today, that's right. Craig does not know his nard. Um, I know. See that when you say nard, I think of the office. Um, so, if y'all, if any of y'all remember that, if you have any uh, nard dog, um, Bernard. Uh, so anyway, uh, so yeah, she, you know, she, she may have been, she may not have been. I, it's clear, regardless, um, that this is something which is seen as. Reckless in the eyes of others, but entirely appropriate in the eyes of Jesus, um, uh, because she's clearly. Um, I don't think this is an exaggeration. She's uh, she's interested in, in the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of the world. Um, her her allegiance is clearly um, to Jesus and, and and to His kingdom, uh, and a willingness to offer this uh, in sacrifice rather than um, to hold on to it. Because I mean, good grief! I mean, then is now. Um, money for us often represents security or, or possessions represent security. I mean, we could, they can represent any number of things to us, but she basically says, Jesus, you're my security um, in, her, in her offering of this. And then we go on in 10, then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, went um, to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, this, I mean, how, how sad this is the chief priests. When they heard it, and they were glad uh, and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity um, to betray him. Uh, you know, y'all have probably heard, you know, various. We we don't know um, ultimately why Judas uh, betrayed Jesus. I mean, off, often greed is is listed as as a reason, and certainly we see here his uh, receiving money um, as being a motivation. Some have said, and you know, maybe this is possible that. He was basically tired of Jesus not acting and sought to force his hand, um, that if he betrayed him, then Jesus' hand would be forced uh, and he would be forced 
um, to to respond. Uh, you know, yeah, again, disappointment that Jesus hadn't acted, and you know what? I'm going to go ahead and force his hand in order that he might act. But but regardless, we see that among Jesus's most intimate and his immediate circle, um, that Judas is the one um, who goes to the chief priests in order to betray Jesus. Yeah, he does. He calls him a thief and says, yeah, and, and in response to this, uh, when, the, when Jesus was anointed, that uh, Judas was indignant because he used to steal from the purse, uh, is, is, is what he says. Um, yeah, he was, uh, he was helping himself to the coffers. Um, and in fact, when, uh, in, in John's account, when uh, Jesus dips the bread and it's given to Judas and Judas goes out um, at that moment, you know, some speculate whether he's going to make an offering. Um, he's going to make an offering to the poor. Well, in reality, of course, he was going to betray Jesus. And, and in 12, we'll kind of we'll continue on here. And uh, on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you, follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room, and where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready, there prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared for the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, to, said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and said to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to them, to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. I'm going to pause there for a moment. Any any first reactions from y'all as we hear that? Oh, that's a true statement. Yeah, it it is it is a true statement. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, Daniel. I appreciate that. I mean, I thought about that. We often talk about you know. Peter's pitiful denial, and we talk about doubting Thomas, uh, etc. But yeah, I mean, we see, and it's interesting because one of the things, again, if if you if you read through this um, and you look, you'll see again and again, all, 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 all. You know, they they all received the cup. 
Um, they, they all told Jesus that they would die for him. They, they all fled and, and denied him as it, as it goes on. Um, yeah, and in fact, it's uh, verse 50, uh, it's 1450 when, when they come to take Jesus and they all left him and fled. Um, Exactly. You know, it's one of the things that I thought was really interesting and and I think um, uh, illustrative of the human condition. It's interesting that they all are troubled by it and they all say, is it me? Um, You know, I I thought that was interesting. It wasn't just Judas, but I mean, each of them says to Jesus, I mean, you know, and isn't this the human condition also? It's like we go from anxiety to false bravado. Um, but it's like, you know, they're all like, oh, is it me? Is it me? You, know, you can see their uncertainty, insecurity. And then, of course, <laughs> the way we tend to try to cover that up is we make these, you know, bold and brave um, statements that we hope won't be called. Um, On our own, we can't. But once they receive the Holy Spirit, they all they don't deny. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, of course, um, one of the things to testify to the veracity of the gospel, uh, the reality of Jesus' resurrection is the way that these people are transformed. Uh, you know, again, uh, they're, 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 they're never perfect, but there is, a, there is a strength and a boldness which clearly doesn't come from them going forward. And there's a strength and a boldness that says, no, Jesus really is risen um, because we wouldn't be these people. We wouldn't witness in the way that we witness. We wouldn't be committed in the way we're committed unless we actually have seen um, Jesus, uh, crucified, risen, um, with wounds. I mean, if it, if he did not appear and say, receive the Holy Spirit, go, I am sending you. Yeah, I mean, we see the, we see the transformation. Well, it's what Andrew was preaching about today. I mean, the work of the Spirit um, in our lives. I mean, we don't attain perfection, but um, that, that Spirit does work in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. Seems to speak to this moment, doesn't it? Absolutely. That's. I think that's a. I think that's a great um, observation. The the prophetic nature of Psalm twenty three. Yeah, I mean, preparing a. a a table for him in the presence of his enemies. And of course, the reality that it, you know, in some ways, uh, Jesus's enemies were, yes, clearly those who were trying to slyly kill him, but it was, his enemies were uh, among his intimate circle uh, as well. But the table which is prepared before him. Yeah, Christ died for us. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great word, David, from, yeah, you know, Paul to the Romans. Yeah, it was, <laughs> well, you know, we were enemies and Christ died for us. Um, again, that it's it's sort of like there's the there's the healthy conviction that we experience, but there's also the grace which we experience as well. Um, because you know, interestingly, in the midst of Jesus, Jesus is gathered with them. Jesus has this realization that he's going to be betrayed, uh, and yet, uh, despite that, and one of the things that we see clearly happening here, uh, once again, I mean, Jesus is the Son of Man, the Son of God, or he is deranged because he applies the Passover to himself. He says, I am, I am the Passover. I mean, that's, that's what he's saying as he's, as they're going through and there's the, there's the, you know, the drinking of wine, the different cups during the Passover, Jesus is saying, I am, uh, I'm the Passover lamb um, that will be sacrificed for you. It's, it's my blood 
which will enable the judgment of God to pass over you. And, and when he says, take, this is my body, um, the word soma, uh, we, we often hear sarks uh, in regards to the body, but the word soma, basically Jesus says, take, this is my body. What he's saying is, this is my whole being. Uh, this is my whole being, which is sacrificed, which is offered, which is given for you. Uh, you, you know, they're, they're sort of, again, going back to um, uh, the offering uh, of the woman. I mean, that was a, it was a, a, basically a whole offering um, in response to Jesus. And we see the, the tentative nature of Jesus' followers, but Jesus says, no, this is my body. Uh, this is everything um, that I'm giving for you. Uh, my blood, which will be shed for you, uh, is poured out for many. Um, this is this is the totality of myself that I'm offering for you, and it's the gracious um, activity of God on our behalf. If if you look, it's you know, eat, take, bless, break, give, say, take. Uh, Jesus's gracious activities on behalf of his disciples. Jesus's gracious activities on behalf of you and me, uh, in the midst of. Um, uh, all of our all of our failures and all of our shortcomings god's once again god's gracious activity is still at work uh, and it's based upon the character of god and the plan of god to fulfill his purposes rather than yours and my performance uh, and that's why it's good news and not good advice uh, it's what god will accomplish for you and for me we i'm just looking at the time because um, of course that's all that needs to be said right um, about this, but uh, as I say, we're just kind of uh, uh, encountering it. Uh, Jesus prays in Gethsemane. Uh, back in the day, I, it's one of those funny things. Um, we used to, uh, we had um, uh, the the Easter walk where we would, you know, walk through, and there'd be different moments uh, in in Jesus's final uh, in Jesus's final week. And um, uh, one year, my son Jack was uh, enlisted to be. One of the uh, one of the crew with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, you know, you go by and they would read the passage and it would be acted out. And, and you know, there's my son Jack, and he's uh, been enlisted again to be one of uh, Jesus's disciples who fall asleep. And I still remember this day. Sally's our youngest, uh, and Sal, Maisie, and Sally were with us. But Sally, uh, our youngest, leaned over to one of her friends and said, "That's my brother. He's terrible. I would have stayed awake." Uh, <laughs> it's kind of those. Funny things you remember this day. Oh, that's my brother. He's terrible. Um, I would I would have stayed I would have stayed awake. Um, but but we see in in, in Jesus um, going to Gethsemane. This is this is a huge part of his agony uh, and his in, intervention on yours and my behalf. I mean, um, obedient and conforming his will. Um, to that which is to come on the cross. Uh, I mean, this is this is a this is a as you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, none of us have done anything of this magnitude. But when you're coming to a significant moment, you know, often it's that leading up to it that is so incredibly draining and and dramatic to 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 pray uh, that your will might fall in line with God's will, that we might be uh, attentive and responsive and 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 obedient. We see Jesus doing um, the agonizing. Um, prayerful work of, uh, of of bending his will to that of the Father. And I'm going to read um, from James Edwards' uh, commentary uh, on, on Mark's gospel. In Gethsemane, Jesus must make the first payment. Uh, well, let me, I'm going to back up a little bit. The answer must be, um, 
that Jesus is aware of facing something more than simply his own death. Um, so the, the realization that in the cross, Jesus will um, encounter more than just his own death, uh, which is, uh, I believe, in, entirely true. Um, in 1045, he spoke of the purpose of the Son of Man to give his life as a ransom for many. That was the objective description of his purpose. Now we hear the subjective experience of it. In Gethsemane, Jesus must make the first payment of that ransom to will to become the sin bearer for humanity. Jesus stands before the final consequence of being the servant of God, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. And that's Isaiah 53, one of the, one of the suffering servant songs. It is one thing, fearful as it will be, to answer for our own sins before a holy and almighty God. Who can imagine what it would be like to stand before God to answer for every sin and crime and act of malice and injury and cowardice and evil in the world? And acquiescing to the Father's will of bearing the sins of many, interceding for transgressors, and again, Isaiah 53, Jesus necessarily experiences an abandonment and darkness of cosmic proportions. The worst prospect of becoming the sin bearer for humanity is that it spells complete alienation from God, an alienation that will shortly echo above the desolate landscape of Calvary. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not his own mortality, but the specter of identifying with sinners so fully as to become the object of God's wrath against sin it is this that overwhelms Jesus' soul um, to the point of death. Um, so we see the, the, the almost the, the inexpressible love and grace and mercy of God directed towards you and me. Again, yes, his, his willingness to die, but his willingness to bear um, that, uh, that, that weight and that separation um, that you and I might be restored, that you and I might be um, reconciled. We see his, um, we see his agonizing um, in this. Uh, we see his agonizing in this moment. Uh, questions or comments y'all have? Yes. And fear no evil. Absolutely. No, that's that, that. I mean, that's that's wonderful. But we can walk through that valley um, and, and fear no evil. I mean, and we have that we have that encouragement in in the face of uh, our our death. But also, we we have that um, strength in in life as well as we walk through. You know, we as we all know, we walk through numerous valleys of death um, with a small d, um, uh, and to say that, yeah. Um, that, that, that God is with us, that his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Um, uh, I think that's yeah, abs absolutely because of what Jesus, what Jesus was able to do. Well, it's like Jesus in the wilderness. He was able to do what we could not um, for us. Um, uh, Jesus, Jesus has won for us. And, and once again, why we can rejoice and say, you know, all of this is not the final word. And even, you know, we'll, we'll see Peter's, uh, we, we're sort of, uh, well, we've 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 run out of we've run out of time here, um, but uh, we see they come out um, to seize Jesus, and Jesus uh, says, "Let the scriptures be fulfilled." You know, once once again, the the conforming of His will to the purposes of God um, for the defeat uh, of sin and death, for the downfall uh, of the devil, 
let the scriptures be fulfilled. I am, uh, I am um, the fulfillment. Um, uh, and we see that wonderfully graciously um, that he will have the final word. You know, there's so much to be said. We, we've run out of time and I apologize. Um, there, there's so much to be said of Jesus before, before the council, Jesus before um, the, the high priest. Um, uh, and and the, the, the ironic way that the high priest will actually um, name Jesus uh, as, as the Son of Man, um, that he will actually, that Jesus uh, is mute until that point at which he confirms, um, he confirms that truth. Um, well, shoot. Um, great to be with you. Um, I hope you enjoy Exodus next week. Um, and uh, let us, uh, the bell tolls for us because there is uh, the Reverend Dr. Weeks um, vested and ready. Um, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that, uh, good grief, thanks is not a sufficient word um, for what you have won for us in Jesus, your Son. And we thank you for that which we have seen, your grace and perseverance in the midst of, uh, of human failure and denial. We thank you for um, uh, the witness um, uh, of Mary and the anointing of you, um, her, her worship and her devotion. And I pray by the work of your Spirit that you would draw us as well, um, uh, as we so typically do it, sort of tentatively, haltingly, um, that you might draw us to, to run towards you. Uh, in our love and in our devotion and, and to find in so doing that you've already pursued us in Jesus, your son, uh, that we might uh, have the security of you as our savior and as our shepherd. This we ask ourselves, we offer to you now in the name of your son, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.